Welcome everyone. Welcome to Quantum Nurse Freedom International live stream. And today I'm taking a different, uh, a little bit of a diversion from my mostly um, viewed podcast episodes when we do a lot of critical conversations on current events. But as most of you know, I am a holistic nurse and I do care about so much about our bodies. And since we were given this body as our gift from the source, from the creator, it's number one that we take care of it. Then we could do a lot of many other things that our lives will become purposeful and meaningful. So today I, I am very excited and I hope you too can benefit from this uh, info, this episode just like before, because I have Dr. David Rosensweet and I am already excited and happy that his last name is, is a beautiful last name, yeah, <laughs> Rosensweet, okay? So that for me is a, is a signal or is a clue from the source that yes, go ahead and invite him and go ahead and have a conversation with him. So thank you for coming, Dr. Rosensweet. And may I just call you David now and please, then? Yes, please okay. do. Right, thank you. So I'll read a little bit of what I know about him and he can continue to share more of what brought him to this point of his career and his personal life. So Dr. David Rosensweet is the founder of the Institute of Bioidentical Medicine and the Menopause Method, as well as the author of three books on the subject, including his latest, Happy Healthy Hormones. And he is a graduate from the University of Michigan Medical School in 1968. So he's been around, so you can trust him. It's good when you, you, you have a conversation with people who's been around, okay? And in early in his career, he trained the first nurse practitioners in the United States and was in charge of health promotion for the state of New Mexico. And he is also a nationally known lecturer and presenter at the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, the American College for Advancement in Medicine, the Age Medicine Management Medicine Group, and more. And in 2019, he was called to Washington to speak in front of the National Academies of Science of Engineering and Medicine on the safety and efficacy of bioidentical hormones. And related to the 2019, I'm, I was hoping and imagining, David, Dr. Rosensweet, that you would have been called also after that so that, you know, the government side will understand that maybe the hormones will play into that state when people get fearful of many things. So <laughs> then maybe we would not be in this situation that most people are fearful even to make friends or to go out. So he... No, that's that's good for now and uh, about him. And you could really get um, get in touch with him in his website, www.bright.live. He has other contacts. As soon as you write his name, Dr. David Rosensweet, he has tons of uh, video information. So he has a strong online presence and feel free to get in touch with him and feel free to ask him and connect with him because only when you connect with the right people or the right 
practitioners, right, experts that you are worried about that you could get most probably the proper guidance to any uh, any problem that you are worrying about. And um, so thank you for being here again, Dr. Rosensweet. But I guess what I wanted to start is I like that story of when you were, I think, 12 years old, <laughs> when you suddenly realized some feeling that you have. So I wanted to hear that from you. Well, I when I was 12, I just had this inner sense that I wanted to be a doctor. And I actually wrote a high school civics paper that we were asking us what it would be when we grow up. And I wrote a paper called, I'm going to be a surgeon. Well, I wasn't quite right about the surgeon part. <laughs> but uh, I, I had it in my bones to be a doctor. And that's stayed with me my whole life. Um, and how about that little anecdote when you met a girl or you suddenly had a focus on someone? Yeah, well, that was absolutely as profound as being a doctor. Um, when I had my first girlfriend at 12, I went, oh my goodness, this is a different world. Being uh, connected in this way in a relationship, uh, this is the most profound thing I've ever experienced. And what it inspired me to do was uh, I, I, I could see my dream was really to be married and have a family and uh, succeed at it. So that happened about the same time. <laughs> and that one superseded and has guided a lot of my life and my choices uh, to uh, have a family. And that's really a cute story, but it's practical because mo most of us really have that initial awareness of what hormones is about. And oh, of yeah. We always relate it first to emotions and sex hormones, and but I, I, I like this topic because I believe that hormones is the key to everything in our body. So it's like if you want to go inside somewhere in your room and if you don't have that balance of the hormones. So that's why I like that. And, and also um, one, one thing that I can, I can imagine, is it's even if no matter past 12 years old, past the age of 20s, 30s, how is it that whenever we remember something from that stage from that age as if it still comes back the feelings still come back so that for me when it's not hopeless if our hormones is a little off that means they're still there we just have to i guess re it's like reboot it okay yeah. well, they, so, are the, they are definitely the most powerful of all the biochemicals in our body and with them uh, they're they're absolutely critical to be successful in our dreams, in our lives, with our energy, with our metabolism, with our connectivity to ourselves and to others. Uh, they're the most potent biochemicals there are, and there's a lot. They, they really matter, and as they decline, because they peak in all of us at about age 20, plus or minus a couple of years, in men and women. 
And as they decline, they may not be so noticeable in our 30s as they start to decline significantly from their peak. But you know what? More and more women and also men are having symptoms that are related to that decline in as early as our 30s and even more so by our 40s and by 50s and men and women most women men and women have experienced rather dramatic symptoms in life disruptive issues uh symptoms by our 50s and uh certainly by in many in our 40s so it's a deal and they're more than just life disruptive yes they affect our mood they affect our sleep they affect our libido, our ability to perform sexually. But more than that, there, there's these deep effects of loss of muscle that are gradually occurring, loss of bone. And as a specialist in aging taught our senior medical school class, you know, they I remember the lecture to this very moment. The gerontologist was saying to us, you all are senior medical students. You know thousands of diagnoses. Let me tell you what's really happening to older people. They're losing their muscle. And over time, they lose the ability to walk and stand and have their balance. And they wind up in canes and walkers and wheelchairs. And just from the muscle loss itself, or they'll fall on an osteoporotic hip and they'll die. So if you want to do something for the elderly, do something about their muscles and bones. And critical to muscles in women and men is hormones. Without those hormones, there's very few elderly who are able to stay at home and walk. Not to, not to mention think clearly. So it's a big deal. So these hormone replenishing, and as a physician, I get to see this in my patients because I've I've had patients that are in the womb. I've had patients who are in their 70s and 80s, and I see what happens. And any practicing physician or nurse practitioner or nurse or healthcare provider sees what happens to the elderly. And you want to talk about staying home and not having to go into assisted living facilities and nursing homes. One of the most important things you can do is get these hormones right, replenish these hormones. Whenever you can think of it, even if you're in your 80s, you can start replenishing hormones. The ideal thing for women, though, is in your 30s or 40s. That's where the ideal time to begin is. So I've been talking away here, Grace. Um, where would you like us to go? <laughs> no, no, but you're, in, you're saying important is, is things right now so that people can, you know, the young people, so our conversation will resonate to the young people, but at the same time, it would, can resonate to the all the other ages, because some people think that they could just kind of, you know, to be healthy, it takes, it takes effort. And, you know, it's not just like one day you'll just get, feel good. However, to know it now, you know how everyone, who would, who would really aim to be old and fragile and be in a nursing home or somewhere or, or use the adult diaper so that was my last specialty now david was with the alzheimer's and dementia and that's one flaw that i see in the management that most of the um 
doctors, they call them, you know, um, elderly doctors, but then, you know, they, but basically there's not a lot of support in, in terms of their hormones. So what, what, what um, I wanted our audience to really get out of this conversation is perhaps why the why is is it important to have that individualized hormone treatment okay and perhaps you could also um i i like that you were able to discuss about the importance of the compounding pharmacies so if you can lead us to that and while um i'll take care of some sure okay <laughs> promotion here meaning I, some on the social media i have a little difficulty right now but please continue okay sure i mean human beings have actually documented knowledge about replenishing hormones for a thousand years for example the chinese aristocracy set it up the, to collect the urine of young vibrant women collect the urine of them mm. and also they set up a situation to collect the urine of young healthy men and what they would do is they would dry this urine out and they'd feed the, the dried urine in these uh, powders to the aristocracy really <laughs> the wealthy people were the ones who were the main recipients of this they felt the they uh, sent they provided the powders to the female aristocracy of the young, healthy women, and uh, they fed it to the, uh, the to the males of the aristocracy, to the young, healthy men. Be why? Because in urine there is hormones, and they knew it, and they they we and these people thrived in ways that those who were not receiving these urine powders did not and this carried us forward even to the 1940s when the pharmaceutical manufacturers realized that there was a real tremendous issue around menopause and andropause and they first addressed menopause and they collected they decided that they needed a source to manufacture large amounts of hormones for women and in the 1940s instead of collecting the urine of pregnant women which because the pregnant women's urine is just so rich in the hormones they did try that for a while but they just couldn't capitalize on enough so they decided to collect urine of pregnant horses. Tremendous amount of urine, tremendous amount of hormones, and they manufactured a hormone product called Premarin. They dried out that horse urine, they put it into tablets and capsules, they called it Premarin, and it was the most popular and profitable drug of all time by the 2000s. Premarin. And its first cousin, Prempro, which also had an artificial progestin in it. And that's what they, 18 million American women in the year 2002 were, were taking Premarin. That was 40% of all American women in menopause. It was that popular. And it, you know what? I saw these women who were on Premarin. And even though you might uh, get a little queasy around horse urine-derived estrogen, 
these women did a lot better than women who were not on this Premarin and Prempro. And not only that, they had less risk for breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke than women who were not on horse urine-derived estrogens. Now, in 2002, this colossal, unbeneficial, inaccurate media event took place where a study that was being done and the primary purpose of the study was to demonstrate to the American public and healthcare providers that women on Premarin did better. They did a study. And the study was falsely reported and stopped in 2002. Even though by that time, uh, medical doctors and scientists had accumulated enough information to realize that women on Premarin had less risk for breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke. They saw it in the data in 16,000 women. However, there was a glitch as they were studying the women on Prem Pro, they saw what was actually a statistically insignificant amount of increased incidence. So it should never have been reported and the study never should have been stopped in Prem Pro. But the press got a hold of it and there was forces on the actual study committee that promoted that and this information leaked out, even though it was statistically insignificant, that there was a risk for breast cancer. It was false reporting that was statistically insignificant, but it ground treatment of women to a halt. And from 18 million, it probably went down to the low one or two million women. That's how many women abandoned uh, medical care and hormone care. And the consequences of it there's been studies done on these women. The consequences were just awful. But women got scared and healthcare providers got scared. Well, the study actually, they continued to follow up on these women. And by 2006, they knew that the relative risk was not increased at all on Prempro. And by 2017, they retracted it. The original study committee that reported out this Women's Health Initiative put out a retraction that said, after 18 years of follow-up, there was no increased risk of breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke. Now, how many people have heard of that? How many healthcare providers have heard that there was no increase? Very few. However... And, 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 and just one, um, uh, I have thought that I have when, you, when, I, when I heard that from you, and I always th think that, so the doctors or other people who got scared that there will be an increase, but look what's happening. There's no decrease of some type of cancer. So even if this, it was like it was, uh, you know, if people got scared of it, and yet in the other part, there's no, there's no, um, it, could the, the all types of cancer continue to increase. Yes, and here's the actual science because I'd like to uh, tell your audience what the science is around risk and hormones. And by the way, I described this in chapter three of Happy Healthy Hormones, and Grace is making the, a, P, a PDF copy of this free to your audience. So in chapter three, I, I discuss the risk and the science and the risk. And for those who really want to get expert opinion on it, they should re, uh, purchase a book called Estrogen Matters by an oncologist, a breast cancer specialist, Abram Blooming, MD. 
Estrogen Matters. There they detail the trouble had around the Women's Health Initiative, and they detail the science. But I'd like to tell you what the science is, that all of us are at risk for a thousand diagnoses. And of course, Grace is a nurse, you know this. There's thousands of diagnoses that we could have. And there are reasons for these, that we get these illnesses. And we're all at risk as human beings for hundreds of cancers. And there's reasons why we would get these cancers. And as a male, I have a special increased relative risk for prostate cancer, and there's reasons for that too. However, even knowing that we're at risk for illnesses and are at risk for cancers, women who are treated with hormones, even Premer and Prempro, are at less risk for breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke than women who are not treated with hormones. So I'm going to repeat that. Women who are treated with hormones are at less risk for breast cancer, heart attack, and stroke than women who are untreated. Even women who've had breast cancer, who happen to be at an increased relative risk for getting a recurrence than a woman is for getting breast cancer who's never had breast cancer, even those women who've had breast cancer and have had that breast cancer properly treated are at less risk for that recurrence if they're treated with hormones than if they're not. That's how wild it is. And men who are treated with testosterone are at less risk for prostate cancer than when men who are not treated. So it's very similar. And now I want to talk about the hormones in general. This most extensive study was on Premer and Prempro, horse urine derived estrogen. But let me tell your audience, if you were to study hormones and menopause and andropause, and you really put in your time and you really cared about it, and you were thinking about actually getting treated yourself, what are you going to want? You're going to want the best care that's available. You may not want stuff that was used for a thousand years, dried urine of young people. You may not want um, Premarin or Prempro, the, the hormones that come from horses' urine. Even though the women who are on Premarin and Prempro did better than women who are not. You may want what's going to, you're going to discover in your research happens to be the state of the art. And here's what you're going to want. You're going to want precision, individualized care for one thing. Because there's such a wide variation, individual to individual. You have some young, healthy women who need this much estrogen to menstruate and be fertile. But other young women who are also healthy and also fertile and can carry a pregnancy, they need three times as much. That's the variation in estrogen, women to women. And a similar variation occurs in women from, for, prem, uh, for progesterone, there's that much variation. And a similar variation occurs in women for testosterone. Some need little, some need a more robust amount to be healthy. And then you put these three variables uh, together and you have a wide individual variation, woman to woman. And it's not a problem at all. If you link up with a provider who can provide individualized care 
you just figure out your own. And I describe that in Happy Healthy Hormones, the process and how we individualize. And then what's going to allow you to individualize? Precision prescriptions that are actually capable of being produced by compounding bioidentity by compounding pharmacists. And there's 8,500 8, compounding pharmacists in the United States. And what are these precision uh, hormones that are being delivered and dispensed? They're bioidentical. No longer is the only thing that we're able to do prescribe horse urine-derived estrogen because the pharmaceutical industry and manufacturers figured out how to produce bioidentical molecules, the same molecule that came out of a woman's ovary. They actually take a product, a precursor that comes from plants because plants have hormones too. And they take that precursor called diastrogen and they convert it through very precision work. It's amazing into pure estradiol and pure estriol. Very important folks, the estrogens that are going to, that you're going to want if you want the best, you're going to want a combination of what copies nature, which is estradiol and estriol. You're not going to want just estradiol as the very best. And you're going to want bioidentical testosterone. Because women, you have more testosterone in your bodies than you have estradiol, the most potent estrogen. These androgens, this queen of the androgen called testosterone, is not a, a male hormone. Testosterone is a human hormone. And when women lose their testosterone, that's what gets most of them into assisted living facilities in nursing homes. Because that's how women, and also men, lose their muscle when they lose their testosterone. Yes, exercise matters, of course. Who wouldn't think that exercise doesn't matter? My God, you'd have to be nuts but you also need testosterone. Where are you gonna get the bioidentical testosterone? The same molecule that your ovaries used to produce from compounding pharmacists. And the same goes for progesterone. Women have a hundred times more progesterone than they have estrogen in their body. Testosterone, progesterone really matters. And where do you get the bioidentical? You get it from the compounding pharmacists, primarily. You get it in the level of detail of dosages that you can give. Because in my practice, um, women range anywhere from 25 milligrams of progesterone a night they need. So even though there is this tremendous individual variation, as a physician or a nurse practitioner, we're able to specify precisely in our prescription how much pure estradiol, how much pure estriol, how much pure bioidentical progesterone, how much pure testosterone, and how much DHEA we want the compounding pharmacist to, di to dispense. So Three. primarily, the, the safe source of the bioidentical hormones will be through a practitioner and through the compounding pharmacy. And how about the how about the roles of nutrient supplements or uh, nutraceutical compounds that is also I believe will be necessary in addition to the 
bioidentical hormones. Will that also be helpful? Have you seen that help? Well, I want to back up just a little bit. As far as safety goes, what's safe, even though we're all at risk, is hormone replenishing. And we're a big tenant. We want women and men and providers to choose what makes the best sense to them. Now, I'm opinionated. <laughs> I have my own opinions, and I take hormones myself. I want the compounding uh, bioidentical hormones. But you know what? Premarin and Prempro is safe, too. Oh, yeah, we're all at risk. We all can have adverse. But Premarin and Prempro or compounded bioidenticals or lots of different offerings are, are safe. Hormone treatment is safe when done right. I mean, you don't. You want to take the right amount. You want to be dealing with a healthcare provider who knows how to prescribe the right amount and test for, do testing to show that you have the right amount. But the right amount of any of these, they're all safe. I just wanted to say that. In fact, they, they, put, they give us reduced risk for breast cancer and prostate cancer and heart attacks and strokes. Holy mackerel. This is big stuff. This is the big things that get the elderly. Heart attacks, strokes, and uh, cancers, breast and prostate cancer. So it's a big deal to take hormones. Okay, supplements. Well, our health, oh my God, is dependent on lots of variables, not just hormones. They're the most potent thing is we can do as we age is replenish the hormones. But my goodness, it's imperative that we have good nutrition. And it's imperative that we exercise. And it's imperative that we acquire skills, information, tools, and support to deal with a natural function of life, which is stress. It's imperative that we do well that we don't trigger the fight or flight biology every time we get stressed. No, that we do skillfully with it and creatively with it. So we take the stress and we improve our lives from it. Now, let's talk about the nutritional part because that's what you asked about. You know, you wish if you ate food, you'd get good nutrition, but that's not happening. 500 years ago it was happening, probably 150 years ago it was happening. If you ate food, if you had enough calories, there was a decent likelihood that you were getting really good nutrition. Now, did that do the job? No. Usually it's not sufficient. But food nowadays, if you're not getting your food from your organic garden, you are probably not getting enough nutrients. And why do I say that? Because there's day-to-day -day life that has nutritional requirements. And then there's the extra added attraction of the stress response and stress biology and stress biochemistry. So those who have the best shot of doing well nutritionally are those who are going out to their backyard and, and harvesting food from their own garden, or they live in a community where they have access to organic food 
and organically uh, nurtured and dealt with animals, animal, I'm including animals in that. But you know, by the time that food comes to market, even if it's organic, it not necessarily having the nutrient content that we'd really are required in our busy, does anyone have a busy life? I don't know. I mean, I've sort of made this brilliant observation that people are running a thousand miles an hour. And I must confess, I'm running about 140 miles an hour. <laughs> so there's increased requirements for nutrition there. And so do I take supplements? Do I honor and respect nutritional supplements coming from good companies? Yes, I do. And I have for 40 years, 45 years. Do I take a good multiple vitamin plus extra vitamin D? Plus I take a list of stuff. And I'm not going to, I'm going to leave that more to you, Grace, because this is more your day-to-day -day stuff. But it's not only matters that you take nutritional supplements you want to know what the good companies are because there's good, bad, and ugly in this. In this, you know, everyone can put a, a, a supplements into a bottle and label it, but it takes a skilled provider to be able to know whether that label is betraying inferior supplements or it's they've derived it from a good companies who really care about providing good stuff. Unfortunately, there's indiscretion and there's lack of integrity in the supplement industry. So the good, the bad, the ugly and the excellent and the uh, actually lives in the world of supplements. And you're going to pretty much need someone who cares about it to prescribe the good stuff. I had to do a lot of work when I was a practicing in a holistic practice to figure out who's the who's the companies who are doing a good job and how do you read these labels it's just like reading a food label well if, if food has a label look out anyway <laughs> you, know, you don't want to be eating food primarily there but it's so true it's so true especially when you know uh, alternative medicine or complementary medicine in different um you know, from the supplements to other things became like popular, then it's money making. And even I believe some the pharmaceutical company jumped into it and they have their own investments there as well. So uh, that's why um, I, that leads me to share to you and, after, uh, you know, the way I learned how to do the testing for the hormones is through energy testing. and the energy testing where we practically test different points from head to toe. And then when it's something is off, then we could, you know, kind of find a matching supplements provided that it is from a good source. And that also, that way of testing helps the, those people who, who they may have doubts in, in tapping the you know blood chemistry way of testing it or the urine test or the but i know that you i i want you to discuss more on on what is your choices of the best test for people to see 
where they're at with their hormones. But in energy testing, that's what they do is like they 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 test from different acupuncture points and different bioenergy field. And that's what we learned from um, Dr. Robert Marshall, the late Dr. Robert Marshall, who was excellent with his lovely wife, uh, Dr. Forbes, who was an energy master. And it worked for me. And that's why I didn't have to go to a compounding pharmacy, but they had that supplement where it was also a lot of the different oils from the plants. So, so that's my experience. But what is, when you have to advise, when someone said, okay, Dr. David Rosensweet, so what do we have to do in terms of tests? How do you know I really need it? Other than the symptoms, of course, sometimes we don't even have to do the test. We know that in our day-to-day -day life, we were off from the sleep to the mood, to the concentration, to the bone loss. Well. Um, I've done a tremendous amount of testing, blood testing and different types of assessments uh, throughout my career because I've been fascinated with it and there's a tremendous amount of value. But one thing about hormone levels is they are very predictable. Like for example, if a woman is no longer having a period, her ovarian hormones, her estrogen, her progesterone, her testosterone is super low. And to ask her to spend money on testing is a waste. How did I learn that? I tested some women who are no longer having period, periods. And I saw these super hormone levels and I would say this to my patients, excuse me, I'm so sorry. I'm We'll stop this. <laughs> I, I would say I'd be able to turn toward the patient after I just charged, uh, she had just gotten charged $400 for testing. And I said, your hormone levels are low. And she said, oh, uh, yeah, well, thank you. you know, but I already knew it because she had stopped having periods. So hormone testing in women who are in the perimenopause and having symptoms in the who are in the menopause and having symptoms is not necessary at all once you start treating women we test 100% of the women we treat when we've taught them how to take the hormones we've prescribed the hormones i just i i detail this in my book um, we, they start taking the hormones, they alleviate their symptoms, they feel better, then we test them. So we do not do hormone testing on women in the menopause. And we do not do hormone testing on women in the perimenopause. That's even more waste of money. Because when you have a young woman and you want to test her hormone levels, well, you're going to have to have a very healthy young woman to be able to test her hormone levels because you're gonna to have to test her at a very special time of the month. Like you have to test her at week three when her estrogen levels and her progesterone levels are at the optimal level to test. 
Yeah, well, who's that? Who can we predict week three on? A young, healthy, regularly menstruating woman. Woman. But then why test her? They don't show up to labs. You don't have to test a regular young, healthy, menstruating woman for the most part. Who wants to be tested when they're young and healthy is when they're not too healthy and they're having irregular periods and stuff. But it, but you can't tell when to test them during the month because their levels fluctuate so much. And women in the perimenopause, let's say 30s, 40s, 50s, especially in the 40s, when their periods have gotten irregular, it's waste of money to test them. Because once, like in a young, healthy woman, they're doing hormones like this throughout the month. When they're menstruating, they're low. But day 12, they get high, and then they drop. Then they, they come back up, and then they get their period again. Regular, nice, predictable. But once they go into the perimenopause, and their hormone levels are a little lower, their body tries to recover and try. I hope this isn't too much detail, Grace. When, when, their, hormone, when their body senses that their hormone levels are lower than optimal, it's got recovery mechanisms. It puts out pituitary hormones to stimulate those ovaries. And you know what? It works for a while. So they got low hormone levels. The pituitary puts out a blast. They get a high hormone level. The, the ovary puts it out. But it can't keep it up, so it falls. So the, the pituitary stimulates again. High, low, high, low. It's erratic. So how did I learn this? I tested women in the perimenopause. I tested, for example, women who were in the perimenopause and having hot flashes. And I knew they were low in estrogen. But if you test them on the wrong day, you get them on one of those peak days. So I sat in front of a patient who was having hot flashes and racing mind every night. And I tested her. And it showed high estrogen levels because I caught her in one of those peaks. So I'm trying to tell her, uh, well, I want to treat you with estrogen because I know you need it. And she's looking at her test results that shows her estrogen is high. And she thinks I'm, what? who in the heck am I? What kind of doctor am I? So you don't test a woman in the perimenopause. Too many words to say, don't test a woman in the perimenopause. It's a mistake. And yet again, we test 100% of our women with the 24-hour urine hormone test. Because if you're treating a woman and you want the gold standard, you need to be checking all 24 hours of her hormone output. Uh, because you, uh, when, when you're actually treating her to do the best work. There's other methods that can get you in the ballpark, but I'm not interested in the ballpark. I'm interested in the accuracy. In 24-hour urine hormone test, when a woman you're treating not only tells me where she's at, but I have extracted from the medical literature numbers to tell me what's too little and what's too much. Because a woman can say, I feel good. Thank you so much. Well, I did a study of 54 women in my practice that said, I feel good, and I tested them. And 50% of them, who feel good, were on hormone levels too low to protect their bones and their vagina. Whoa, that's too low. So it doesn't, so the old saying that some people still go by that says, well, if you alleviate a woman's symptoms and she's symptom-free, she's on the right levels, 
That is false. 50% of my patients were on insufficient estrogen to protect their bones and their vagina. And if a woman says, I feel fine, yeah, she can also be on too much. In my study, 25% of the women were on levels of estrogen that I wouldn't really want them to be on because they can replicate what happens every single cycle in a woman. She gets breast glandular cell proliferation. That's great in a young woman in her 20s and 30s, but we don't want new cells. We don't want mitosis. We don't want cell division in a woman in menopause. She doesn't need it. So we also want to pick up on the 25%. They say they're feeling good, but they're, ha they're having breast glandular cell proliferation. So that's why we test 100% of our women because we know what that level is, too little and too much. And so that's, that's how we do it. There's one other thing I wanted to mention. I, f I really feel it matters that a woman takes estrogen and testosterone topically, puts it on her skin, and doesn't take estrogen orally. Now, if oral estrogen was the only estrogen I'd have, I'd use it. But the safest estrogen is estrogen that you apply to your skin. There's a certain number of women who took oral estrogen in the birth control pill, and they got thromboflebitis, and some even died from pulmonary embolus. Yes, it's rare, but you don't need it. Because with topical, apply it to your skin, topical estrogen and topical testosterone, you don't run that risk. You don't increase the coagulation. So topical estrogen is the best, and the very best in, is in organic oils. Because topical comes in creams and gels, but they have strong solvents. So I'm not interested in strong solvents because I know about toxicity. As a, as a holistic medical doctor, I faced it in so many patients. We all faced it. So this is not a solution. There are no solvents in it. So it's an organic oils, and you can find out about it on Bright.Live. So I'm telling you, I'm really laying down what's the best. It's topical estrogen, topical testosterone, in an organic oils base prepared by a compounding pharmacy. That's the state of the art, and you know who's going to who's everyone's going to want the best because you want to be on these every day of your life. And I think, and it's it's it 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 even becomes simple application. And yeah. I, I don't know about others, but I think women likes topical things. That's why we like putting oils in our body, creams, etc. You know. <laughs> so that shouldn't be a problem or a heavy burden for women. <laughs> we can yeah. always do that. Now, that, that should be true to men as well, right? I think the man has a little... <laughs> we, we may not be as awake and aware about the value of putting on wonderful, healthy oils onto our skin rather than swallowing stuff. But we'll, we'll catch up. We're getting there. <laughs> then especially if who, you know, because most um, plants, anything from the plant, we may be thinking that it's for hormones. and But, but in the skin, it also helps to, you know, improve the status of your skin. Because yeah. no matter what, so, you know, you, can, you cannot go wrong. It's kind of like the side effect is still looking good skin or... <laughs> Yeah. Keeping skin healthy. Yeah, I like that. Um, but
talk talk about the toxins more like metals heavy metals because i think some, that's one of the things that um holistic practitioners don't pay attention you know then especially having those uh, dental works done with uh, not a good way or no not going to a biologic dentist because that could be that's a major cause for hormone disruptions right so do you want to sure, talk a little sure bit about that? well you're bringing up a very important and big topic and one that our ancestors didn't think about too much you know a couple hundred years ago for most people not living in cities the water was clean the air was pure and you didn't get much exposure but nowadays oh my goodness gracious the amount of chemicals that are toxic to us that means they injure us it doesn't mean it's acting like hemlock if you just swallow hemlock you know like socrates did or arsenic <laughs> you can die from it no the kind of toxic exposure we have the toxins are just as bad but they're slow coming in and they're present all over the place and their their explosion really took place when they started using herbicides and pesticides in agriculture and when you think about it what kind of chemical does it take to kill a weed or kill an insect you got to use something strong. You got to really poison them. These are hardy creatures. And indeed, these herbicides and pesticides are extremely strong. And our exposure, although it's not like swallowing a gallon every day, our exposure is really significant. And it's coming in through that food supply. And unfortunately, it's coming in from the water supply. Oh my God. So the toxicity is a big issue. So those who really get interested in our health, what do we meet up with? Some basics. Really eliminate the exposure to toxins. That means there's another reason why you have to pretty much go organic. Mm -hmm. And you got to really filter your water if you don't have if you don't live out in the country like I do. And what do they do? What do a lot of these toxins do? They disrupt hormones, just like you said, Grace. You know this already. What, of all the things that could affect in our body, one of the poisonous things they do is they disrupt our hormones. And this is a big deal. I don't want people to think, well, it's that subtle. Like there was a scientist who discovered that the alligators in Florida, in a certain lake, were getting weird. They were getting low reproduction, low sperm counts. The males were even developing female genitalia. Mm -hmm. And he did research. And what did he find out? It was from the toxins that were dumped into the rivers that were feeding this lake. The whole alligator population was skewed. When I was in medical school, the sperm count normal for a male, what was called normal was 50 times, I'm sorry, five times what it is these days. Normal these days is one-fifth of what it was when I was in. How did that happen? Toxicity is part of it. So this is a big deal. 
And so to live as toxic free as you can, and that's why we developed the organic oils, because a lot of the solvents that people are putting on their topical creams and gels, they're strong. They're petrochemicals. Look at their names. Look at their chemical names, propylene glycol, on and on and on, triethanolamine, all these chemicals. So I don't know where you want me to go with this, but any holistic provider knows that one of the things we've got to do is detoxify. And you mentioned mercury amalgams. When did I find out about mercury amalgams? When I was poor, when I was a young doctor, still paying off my debts, very worried about money. And mercury is so toxic. I went, oh boy, gonna spring for it. And I had my mercury amalgams removed. Now this is like 45 years ago when I found, first found out about it. I'm just giving you a living example. When I didn't have money, I sprung for the dental expense of getting that mercury removed. And I don't want everyone to just freak out because health improvement is a series of projects. And somewhere on your series of projects, you get to put mercury amalgam removal. And some of us are more sensitive to this stuff than others. So it's not just so, anyway, toxicity. Well, we take on these five-year plans. We say, I want to commit to my health. I'm going to improve my nutrition. I'll take a couple of years to do that, to figure out how to do it, to figure out how to shop how to do the recipes. I'll take three to five years and I'm going to remove toxins from my house. Hey, that saves you a bunch of money. What do we use around our house? We use vinegar. We don't have any cleaning products in our house. We have distilled vinegar. That's what we use on our counters and stuff like that. And we don't have any of the other stuff. So, the soaps, the shampoos, you have to be careful about this stuff. I don't know if you want me to launch into this topic, but... No, there... but it. I think the day-to-day -day lifestyle is important so that... We, because I, can, I don't see anyone improving fully, whether it be primary hormone issue, if they cannot also look into what you know, the other angles and aspects of their lifestyle. And it's always because, as you said, five-year plan. No, we have a forever life plan. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, to make the changes. Yeah. I mean, to you discover that you're not eating right. Mm -hmm. So you don't freak yourself out and feel bad. You say, okay, I'm going to do something about it. And I'm not going to push my stress myself more. I'm going to learn about how to eat right, how to shop. And that's the five-year plan. It's the transition plan. Or if you want and to... When we, and, and David, when we know these things, you know, from all different angles, uh, we own it. We It's like we... we I, I feel empowered. We feel empowered. Yeah. Because there's so many lies and misinformation or lack of information from everything. So, but when we ourselves take on that ownership, then, hey, again, there's so many bioweapons that will become... So, sorry. So, sorry. <laughs> so, 
when it comes on our way, then we won't be the first one to submit our bodies to any bio, you know, biomedical weapon. And that before you know it, we'll keep adding toxins more and more. Okay. Yeah. So feel free to, you know, it's okay. Whatever, I know we're running out of time, but do share whatever thing most important still that you want to share. Okay. Thank you. And thanks for being here, Grace. Letting me be here, Grace. Well, I think the most important thing, message I'd like to support people in is that midlife or earlier, one of the most important things that you can do of the many things that are important for your health is to replenish your hormones. And the main, you know, I, I lay down for women in that book, Happy Healthy Hormones, what I think is a roadmap of what really matters. But let me break it down to this. Hormones are a prescription item, and they should be. These are powerful biochemicals. You want someone who's skilled. You want a physician or nurse practitioner who cares about it. And the main job you have as a woman is to go shopping for that proper healthcare provider. It's your main job. So start with asking your friends, asking older women in your community, are you on hormones? Do you like who you're getting them from? Do you trust them, this nurse practitioner or physician or this physician's assistant? You're going shopping to find someone that number one, has taken a special interest in hormones in menopause and andropause, has gone through special training because we don't get it in medical school, and as a special part of their practice that they really devote to treating women in menopause and men in andropause. Now, you can go to our website because I've trained, the main thing I do is I train physicians and nurse practitioners, and we've trained hundreds of them all around the country. So sometimes we have one for you. And it's gotten much, much easier because by telemedicine, all you have to do is find a licensed healthcare provider, prescriber who's in your state. And you may have to travel once to see them because you're going to need testosterone, but you can do everything by telemedicine, providing you have a primary care provider. Go to your local compounding pharmacy. There's 8,500 of them. They're the ones who are filling the best prescriptions. And I say, go to them. Show up in person. They're busy. But if they have an actual patient in their, in their pharmacy, they're most likely, these are very friendly and knowledgeable people. And if you go to them and say, look, I know I need hormones. Would you tell me who you think the best person, best nurse practitioner or best physician or best physician's assistant is that you're filling prescriptions for? Well, they know the answer to that. They know, they can tell by the prescriptions and working with providers who's good at it because they're very knowledgeable themselves. So one of the ways you can go shopping to find that healthcare provider, because that's your main job, find someone. If you want, want guidelines as to what is an excellent program for women, read my book. I really lay it down. I really lay down what I consider to be the state of the art and gold standard. But you don't have to go to medical school and you don't have to know how to do it, but you do have to go shopping to where you find a healthcare provider that's really good at it and you trust and is going to listen to you. 
and do it as a team because you're going to need a team. You're an individual. These hormones are going into your body. They're going to give you a starting dosage, as I describe in my book, but you're going to, they're coming into your body. You're going to have to be the one who's going to have to adjust them under their guidance. Under their guidance, yes, for sure. Because if they're skilled, they're going to know their numbers and they're going to know when, when you're going too high or too low, when you have symptoms, what to do about it. But I don't want to make it harder than this. Go shopping. Look for someone who knows what they're doing that you trust. And they're doing compounded bioidenticals because you're going to want the best. And that's, you know, that's the way you get to do precision, individualized care. I get to write prescriptions, so many different prescriptions, because I go by the individual. So thank you, Grace. Uh, that's my main thing. Go shopping. Thank you so much. And thank you for everything that you do. And I really love that's a powerful ending. And to all of you there, so I, I Grace Asagra, I am a holistic registered nurse and I am the host of Quantum Nurse Podcast. And I, I, I have to consciously say it this time because I usually don't introduce myself. But I want to thank those who have been following me from uh, other countries as well because I just attended one event and when I was introducing myself, giving a card to someone from London and he said, oh, I'm following you already. So it was it was an honor. So thank you and do share this episode and don't hesitate to go to www.bright.live. And I also, you can through that, I believe you can also, um, do the download and if not just email me again and contact me and i will send you the pdf yeah you gotta do your shopping own it choose the best one and intuitively you know and thank goodness that david said you don't have to be a scientist you know to have all this degree to know about your health okay so take care, everyone, and thank you for supporting Dr. David Rosen Sweet and all his work. And to all of you there, like, subscribe, and share it. And I'm sorry if there's a little tech problem, but we'll always come up with something to resolve it in other live stream. Okay? Take care.